Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy. I'm your host, Paula Jenkins. I invite you to join me as we explore how inspiring people have chosen joy in their lives and what they have to share with us about how to jumpstart joy in the world. Plus, how do we follow our own hearts, find work that lights us up while mindfully noticing the role that joy plays in our own journey. Welcome to episode 68. This is Paula Jenkins, a life and career coach and the host of Jumpstart Your Joy. This week, I'm thrilled to have Joe Casey, a fellow coach and host of the Work Happy Coaching Podcast, on the show with me. It's such a treat to have her on the show, especially at the start of this new year, as we explore the theme of new. She shares about how she got her start in coaching. We talk about mindfulness, and she shares a couple of super easy ways to play with mindfulness if it's new to you. And I love the stories and insights she shared here with me. I think you're going to love this conversation because it really just did feel like I was sitting down with an old friend and having a lovely chat. (laughs) So I invite you to come along for the journey. Before we get to the conversation itself, I want to say welcome and thank you for listening. I am excited for 2017 and everything that it's bringing to all of us. And I really do have the best wishes for all of us to have a happy new year. So thank you all for being a part of this journey. If you want to subscribe to Jumpstart Your Joy, it's on all of the major podcasting syndication spots. So you can find the show on iTunes, Google, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Player FM if you search for Jumpstart Your Joy. When you do that, please hit the subscribe button and then each week you'll get a brand new episode delivered directly to your mobile device. If you want to follow the show notes and pick up some of the quotes or find the links to Joe's podcast and website and social media accounts, you can find the show notes on the website at jumpstartyourjoy.com slash episode 68. I imagine that many of you may be interested in starting your own podcast which is exciting since you have two podcasters talking on this episode. If that's of interest, I'm offering a free podcasting fundamentals class. It's an email course that you can find over on my website, and it'll give you a good idea of the basics of how to create your own show. It will also get you on the VIP list to hear more about when I open my next class, which is Jumpstart Your Podcast, in this new year. And so now, the interview with Joe Casey. Welcome. Today, I have an interview with my friend, Joe Casey. Welcome to the show, Joe. Thank you. We're we're giggling just because it's just been one of those weeks and we've just had that, oh, yeah. Yes. All the things about being a parent and business owner and technology and yoy. And can we just, since this is airing in 2017, can we just say adios 2016? Oh, go to hell 2016. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Cleansing breath for all the possibilities that lie ahead. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Wow. That was a doozy, wasn't it? That was a... Yeah. 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 I mean, it's just not words. We lost too many people, too much weird, unfortunate stuff happened. Yeah. Yeah, with ramifications for for years to come. But you know, we're, we're kind of recording this end of December. There's, you know, mm-hmm. anything could happen. Yeah, it just has just been the the weirdest year. It was like everything seemed to get tipped up on its head. It was, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, lots really? of certainties that we kind of thought were there were just like, ha, ah, no. Yeah, it's and not in a good way. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're holding space for good things to come. Yes, for sure. <laughs> Why don't you tell us a little bit about like, what did you love as a child? What were your earliest sparks of joy? My earliest sparks of joy. Well, I can remember really distinctly being out in the garden with my dad. So my dad has always loved gardening. And even when we had no money at all, he would always make sure that we had a house that had a some kind of a garden. It was just like the tiniest little garden. And so I can remember kind of going out and kind of like digging in the dirt with him. And, and that's still kind of a big part of my life. I still really like being out in the garden and planting things and creating something with nature. And I love the fact that you can't rush it because I'm, I'm somebody who, you know, I would rush through everything if I could you know when I was when I was 13 I so desperately wanted to be 19 and all of that (laughs) stuff and I I love the fact that you plant something in the ground and you know you can't make it grow any faster damn it you know and it it kind of teaches you patience and so that's that's something that always gives me joy yeah I love a good garden as well and there's something about taking pictures of flowers even to this day where like each of them has their own little face but like it's such a delight in the creation but yeah mm-hmm. that end of it too is so special and the detail and I think mm-hmm. one of the things that is always such a great reminder to me is just just stop to just stop and just so look at some of the detail around you like some of the the real beautiful things so so I, I run a coaching business obviously but I also mm-hmm. I teach mindfulness. I I have this great gig where I, you know, I don't know, about 10 days a year, I go into corporations or factories. You know, I've I've done it in in factories. I've done it in, you know, big organizations, small organizations. I've done it for a a group of vets and they brought dogs into the room. And I teach people mindfulness for people who wouldn't normally be caught dead doing things like mindfulness because that's that's how I was. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I get people to do is I I ask them just after lunch to go for a mindful walk. And so quite often these places are not in the most attractive parts of the world. You know, they're either in the middle of industrial estates or in the middle of, you know, the business district in, in cities and things. And people come back and wax lyrical about, you know, I saw a flower and it had broken through the concrete and I just thought, God, isn't that amazing the way that life always finds a way? And it just always is such a wonderful reminder to look at the detail around you because there is beauty everywhere. But when we're so locked in being busy and, you know, getting really kind of caught up in a lot of the kind of big, scary stuff that goes on, we can miss that. And so that that's always a, a great thing to bring that I, I constantly try and bring myself back to is, you know, just go outside, even if it's just for 10 minutes and go have a walk and just go and have a look around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. It's such solid advice and so easy and so totally free. You know, like you don't yes. have to make big plans to go on a walk. Exactly. You don't need any equipment. You don't need special yeah. clothing, <laughs> you know, unless you really want to go. You know, I need special walking clothing. But yeah, yeah just just go outside. And it's funny because I know we talked about, you know, a tiny bit about the fact that, you know, I've, I've got kids and it's been a bit of a tough week because sometimes it is because like both of them have been sick. One's 16 and one's seven. Mm-hmm. But one of the really nice things, especially when they're, they're younger, is that they're just so in the moment. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that being in the moment is something that I am constantly trying to bring myself back to because I'm somebody who spends a lot of time, you know, either up in the clouds or, you know, I'm very engaged with politics and activism and things like that. And 
2016 hasn't been the most <laughs> optimistic year. So that that kind of bring yourself back to just the, the just the present, just the right now, just what's going on right now, right this second. What can you see? What can you touch? What can you feel? That, that's that kind of constant necessity, I think. Yeah, and the grounding that comes with it, and just yeah. Allowing mm-hmm. yourself just to be and like you're saying and feel and what what can you touch here and yeah, yeah what is this moment like as yeah. opposed to worrying about whatever else might be out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about what you do as far as coaching and mindfulness and give us a sense of who you are? Sure. Yeah, I thought I've just world. kind of I've done my typical thing of just kind of go just go complete onto kind of you know big yeah it's going to and and people listening have no idea who I am. So um, my name is Joe Casey and I'm a, a coach mentor and I I live in the north of England and I teach people how to build coaching businesses. But so I guess one of the things that I do is kind of business strategy. But actually, what I really do is I help people to really step into their own story, their own power their own sense of leadership and to build businesses that are an extension of them rather than it being some kind of cookie cutter you know here's the latest kind of trick or hack that's on the market and mm-hmm. to implement things because i think one of the things that that happens is we we see the strategy we see the thing we see you know we read the book that tells us all the steps Mm-hmm. And I think this applies, you know, whether you're running a business or whether, you know, whatever you're doing and and you can follow it at first. And then at some point your own stuff comes up, usually around fear or around, oh, like that just doesn't feel authentic, that I feel <laughs> fake when I'm doing that, that feels. Oh. And so you freeze, you stop doing it. And I, so one of the big areas that I work with people on is kind of, you know, unpacking that and let's kind of look at well, what's, what's holding you back. Let's find a way to make this work for you so that you can, you can keep going. You can t- keep taking the steps towards where it is that, that you want. And so it's this real mix of, yes, there is some kind of business strategy in there, but there's basically I'm a life coach for coaches, but don't tell anyone. So I help people to build, co- to build coaching businesses. Yeah. And I also, I run workshops and kind of training courses. So I, I train coaches and I run mindfulness, which kind of makes me laugh because in some ways I'm the least mindful person that I know. You know, I'm not, and I came to it kicking and screaming. I came to it because four or five years ago when I was, I was, I was working in my job, my day job, my organization needed somebody to train in doing it and I was like the only person and I was like oh I've tried that meditation stuff before it does not work I cannot empty my mind and I went along to this eight-week training course but it's like a couple of hours a week it's not like eight you know eight to eight every day but it's a couple right. of hours a week so I had to to mindfulness which is based on the kind of modern techniques that kind of incorporates a lot of cognitive behavioral therapy and found it really challenging but really intriguing Mm-hmm. but found some huge personal benefits from it and also saw it happening to people who were in the group with me. And so I then went on and, and kind of did it for for a second time and took up mindfulness as, as a practice. And uh, it's really great and it's really simple and it's free and it can have some real powerful impact. And you don't need like a special you know, meditation room like Oprah has or something, you know, if you want one, that's great. But, you know, yeah. you could do it sign your car. You could do it, you know, I, I do kind of 
10 minutes in the morning and then maybe 15 minutes of an evening and, and you're kind of done. It has some real huge benefits. And that's a real kind of cool, unexpected part of my business. I didn't expect that, that would be a way that I earn money. And it's just a really cool way of doing it. Like I say, I go to factories and teach people to do it. It's great. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I know. Who would have guessed? I mean, it's so helpful to everyone. I mean, knowing yeah. a little bit about it myself, but yeah, it, getting to teach it to people who maybe wouldn't think of it as something that's accessible or mm-hmm. maybe they would just dismiss because it's so, I'll use air quotes, quotes around, it's out there, right? Mm. Like, how is it received when they kind of catch on as to what you're, you're teaching? Well, I think the, the well, the, the, the fact that, so I, I was booked to do three days over three months in a factory on the, the Scottish coast. Mm-hmm. So this isn't even, you know, this is a fairly rural place. You know, it's not like an urban and a city and you think people may well have, you know, maybe they're doing yoga and things like that. So this was, a, you know, a group of mainly men. They were like 90, I think there's one woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, in their boiler suits and their, you know, their big boots. They hadn't been told what the course was. And I rock up and their HR manager, also a woman, had uh, had been on a mindfulness course and thought they all really need this. So I'm going to book it. But I think the, the way that I approach it is, is very much kind of like this. You know, I share the fact that, you know, I wouldn't have, I came to it kicking and screaming. It's not what you think. There will be no incense. There will be no chanting. You don't have to sit cross-legged on the floor unless you really want to. And let's just give it a go. And I, I tell people a little bit about the theory and the benefits of it and then give them a chance to kind of practice it in a really small way. And then we do a longer meditation and uh, then they give them some really practical things that they can do, like going for a mindful walk and things like that. And it goes down really well, really well. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. And the, there was one in the middle of this longer meditation that, that I, I was doing and we were literally doing it on the factory floor, on the production line floor. <laughs> wow. I looked out and saw this group of like 20 burly blokes, you know, proper guys, <laughs> all sat with their eyes closed. I thought, this is brilliant. I can't believe I get paid to do this. So wonderful. Yeah. It, yeah, it was, it was great. Absolutely great. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that you have the mindfulness of, of like really taking in the scene. Like there's such a presence and being like, wow, this moment mm. is amazing. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I led a meditation. That, I don't know why this just reminded me of like kind of led a meditation at a retreat once, and we happened to be in a room over the kitchen. <laughs> it was like right before lunch. I don't know why this is coming back, but it was like this kind of. It was so hard to be present because you could smell the food. I mean, like I guess mm-hmm. we really were present because we were taking in the sights and sounds, and but it was hard to stay in the meditation when all that. Yeah. Was going on. Yeah. Yeah, I once ran one when it was the rugby final. Now, I know in the States, rugby isn't a really big thing, but trust me, in the British Isles, so I think it was England had been knocked out and Wales were in the final. And the, there's a lot of kind of Welsh people not too far from where I live because it's, it's not too far from Wales. And so it was leading this meditation. You could literally hear people screaming and cheering from the room below. <laughs> That's so great. Yeah. So, you know, I always approach everything that I do with a, with a lot of good-natured humour. So, you know, there are just times you yeah. go, I'm really aware right now about how distracted I am. I'm very mindful of how I really want to be watching that match and know what the score is. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, that's great. So you've, you mentioned you've been coaching, it sounds like, 
independently for four or five years? You mentioned a corporate gig. What has your path yeah. to coaching kind of looked like? Oh, okay. So my path to coaching was a great big fat failure at first. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I say that a little bit tongue in cheek because obviously I'm very personal developer and, and now I kind of go, well, there's no failure. There's any feedback. But mm-hmm. when I first started coaching, it felt like the universe was giving me a huge amount of feedback because I, I did my first coach training program 16 years ago. So certainly in England at the time, it was really, really new. You know, there's very few coaches out there, and so I, th- I think I did one of the very first uh, training programs that was uh, available. It wasn't a great one; it was it didn't go into an awful lot of depth. It was basically the grow model and you know, uh, questioning skills and things like that. But so I went on this weekend, and then we had you know exercise and things that we had to work that we had to do over the the subsequent year, and I absolutely loved it. I just I just fell in love with it, head over heels. Yeah. I just the power of it, the respect, the respectfulness of it, because I'd been a corporate trainer for a long time. So, you know, I had an an adult education background. And so coming from something from a very teaching perspective is very different coming at a coaching perspective, because coaching is all about, it's certainly, you know, the the type of coaching that that, that I'm trained in is very rooted in the, the idea that the client has all of the answers that they need. Your job is to help them to find them. It's not about teaching them stuff. It's not about telling them stuff. And so I just loved how respectful that was of people. It wasn't about enforcing your own agenda on on somebody. It was about really helping them to discover what was the right path, the right solution, the right actions for them. I just loved it. And so I did what I would urge nobody to do. Uh, <laughs> but I I quit my job. And I was a single parent with a six-month-old baby, but I was so convinced that the universe would catch me that I leapt. And about nine months in, I was in debt. I couldn't make my mortgage payment that month. And I had to kind of go to my dad and say, I've really messed up. Can you help me Mm -hmm. and bail me out? And it was horrible. It was absolutely horrible because I had, you know, in, in hindsight, I had no business experience or knowledge or acumen at all and I was still learning coaching so I was trying to do these two really difficult things at once with very little kind of information to piece together as to how to do it so I was I was doing the things that my coach school had told me to do like you know send out press releases to the local press Mm -hmm. and join a BNI group and things but you know I couldn't even do things like explain what coaching was to people because I was still in that kind of, well, it's just great. It's just amazing. It's just fantastic. And it will change your life. And you, you, nobody kind of, people kind of back away when you know, <laughs> yeah. you've got that amount of zeal, but you can't explain it tangibly to people. So I right. ended up, you know, my dad lent me some money to bail me out amazingly. And I spent the next kind of ooh, 10 years, maybe not all of that kind of, you know, I, I spent some time obviously paying him back and paying my paying my bills and just kind of finding my feet and paying the debts off and, and stuff. But I was, I was really, really lucky because my background was corporate training. And so there is a, there's an overlap there with things like corporate coaching. And that was something that I, it was, I was pushing at an open door when I went and spoke to my manager and said, look, I'm trained in doing this thing called coaching. Have you heard of it? And they're like, yeah, yeah, we have. And, and so they, they let me start to do some coaching in-house and I kind of carved out a role for myself as an in-house coach. 
And then after a few years, I invested in doing my master's degree in coaching. And I also became an NLP practitioner and then a master practitioner. And I eventually was asked to to kind of qualify and train and run coach training programs, again, within the organization I was in. And then just kind of started to develop a a reputation within my, I, I worked in local government, so I wouldn't say industry, but kind of peers in other organizations asked if they could bring me in to run coach training programs for them. Mm-hmm. And then, which my organization did, you know, I was, I was still under employ- employment there. And then I was going to be laid off because basically there was lots of uh, government cuts that, that were coming down the, down the line. And so I started putting feelers out about whether I could do this and, and kind of get paid for it and started off very tentatively. A part-time coaching business took on a, a part-time day job as well and kind of mm-hmm. built it up much more sensibly much more slowly, but much more sustainably. Because by this point, I was only having to learn the business side of it. I was pretty confident in the coaching side. (laughs) And, you know, I found some great mentors, fortunately, whereas I think before mentors at that time were, were quite kind of thin on the ground. So I'm a big fan of the slow and steady route. I think that the whole, you know, jump in the universe will catch you is fine if it doesn't matter too much if you fall. Or right. if you fail, whereas I think certainly for a lot of women and, you know, for women with kids as well, it's, you know, the, the stakes are so high yes. and, you know, we don't tend, I know some people, but you know, that, that kind of amount of pressure is a real motivator for them. But for me, it wasn't, it just sends me into my panic zone and I can't do great work in my panic zone. I don't know anyone who can. Right. Yeah. And that's so funny, just kind of going back to your early part of the story. I'm like this, I'm at, He's 12 months having of being a certified coach, but yeah, I've just gone back to taking a job because I'm a project manager by trade in the other mm-hmm. part of the world. And like, that's paying the bills now because I mean, I kind of see it as the ship going back into the Harbor, you know, I'm going to take on some provisions, make repairs and get ready to go <laughs> back out. There's only so long I can be out there in the waters without, you know, making oh. the income to support. I mean, that's one of the reasons I get so cross at some of the utter BS that is out there. You know, I see mm-hmm. it all the time in my yeah. Facebook feeds about, hey, are you a coach? Are you making five, fi- are you having five figure months yet? And I, I'm just screaming at the screen to go, shut up. You can yeah. do it. You can have a six figure business. Even if you have no list and no experience, shut up. No. Yeah. You, maybe one person in a hundred thousand does that, but. Mm-hmm. You know, I also have a podcast. So one mm-hmm. of the, the things that I, it's a really good way. It gives me an excuse to, you know, reach out to people and kind of go, Hey, can I talk to you back? And I, you know, so I can yeah. reach out to people I would never dream of approaching. And so right. I've, I've, I've interviewed some, you know, people who are much further along the line who do have the six figure business. And I don't know anybody who did it in less than two to three years. And for most people, it took them four or five. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and well, that, that's, that's just... where, what I see from from my standpoint is, you know, and and obviously I also have a podcast and I have an online presence and I had a blog for eight years, so it's not like I'm not out there. But yeah, hmm. it's, you know, it's not a not a quick go of it. I don't think. I think you're so right about that. Yeah, and I think that the there's a lot of people who are taking advantage of people. You know, so there are people who are selling programs out there that are like twenty seven thousand hmm. dollars, and most coaches are making around about $12,000 in their first few years. 
Mm-hmm. And so there's part of me just kind of thinks, how can you justify charging somebody <laughs> twice yeah. what they're realistically going to earn? But then, you know, that's where the, the personal development brigade kind of fall out with me sometimes because it's like, well, you just have to believe it. And that's just your story, isn't it? And you just have to think bigger and there's nothing to say that you can't do it. And Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, I, I will be in the same camp because, yeah, the fancy words of manifesting and mindset and all that. Like, oh, yeah. yeah that's a, I feel like that's a guilt trip waiting to happen. Like, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, you just don't want it. Yeah. Yeah. If you just want it, it more. Yeah, it's nothing to do with the fact that this is, you know, you're being sold a bill of goods by so much of this stuff. Yeah, you just don't yeah. want it. Yeah. Oh, mm, yeah. yeah. Don't stop me. <laughs> That's right. I don't want to bad enough. <laughs> yeah, it would nothing could be further than the truth, probably, for most of us that are putting ourselves out there in earnest and being super <sighs> vulnerable and, like, just giving it, giving our heartfelt, you know, most, even best, mm. all of it, like... Yeah, it's so hard to then be told, oh, they just wanted it more. (laughs) Thanks a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And it's nonsense. Because do you know what else? Once you start, you know, because I have been in the in the space, in the industry for quite a while. I mean, I'm like a dinosaur in internet terms. And so, you know, every now and then you'll you'll speak to somebody who's... So there's quite a few online business managers who started off as, as VAs to some of the mm-hmm. big hitters. And it's really interesting to talk to them because they give you the kind of behind the scenes of the $100 launches, $100,000 launches, you know, and go, yeah, but you know, 75000 was spent on Facebook ads. And I just say what the real figures are is if it looks too good to be true, it probably is. And also, I think that in terms of joy and happiness and fulfillment and all of that stuff, we're just laying down a massive kind of failure complex for ourselves because we kind of think, oh, I'm not as thin as that person on Instagram. Or my teeth, I, this is something I say quite a lot, nobody's teeth are as white as they are on the internet. And nobody's business is as successful as it looks on the internet. You know, the four-hour okay. work week. There is, you know, yeah. great title for a book, great concept, but the rest of us who are working like 50, 60 hours a week. Yeah. Or like, okay, what am I doing wrong? Darn you, Tim Ferriss. Yes. <laughs> yes. Totally, yeah. totally agree. Yeah. And and yeah. it's about, you know, having that, oh, and I hate the word, the kind of balance is so obvious, but it's, it's, it's about balancing, you know, you need to feed and nourish yourself physically and emotionally and spiritually. And, do you know, there ain't nothing wrong with taking a job to give you a rest from that that stress and that angst of, mm-hmm. how am I going to pay the bills this month? Because there's mm-hmm. nothing worse. Yeah. yeah. We just need to give yeah. ourselves a break and have a bit more reality of of what life is. You know, whether we're talking business or whether we're talking just generally, you know, nobody is gloriously happy all the time, just like nobody's gloriously (laughs) successful overnight. But we kind of half convince ourselves that that's true. Other people are. Mm -hmm. Other people are happy all the time, you know? Yeah. Well, and that's one of the interesting things with having like joy as a, you know, kind of a platform for the show is, Mm. I mean, you either get that thing of like, what is it around you know, joy is naive or it's like kind of a thin thing or like it's, you know, a Pollyanna-ish kind of hmm. place to be. But I don't, I don't actually agree with obviously at all. I think it's one of the hardest choices to make. But also yeah. the thing of like you see other people and you think, oh, well, they're just happy all the time. But I think, I mean, this is kind of, I guess, full circle even. It comes back to being mindful and making a choice to follow joy and 
Mm. You know, we can jump in there. It's kind of a fun topic there. Oh. But yeah, it's, it's a lot of work being happy all the time. <laughs> Even if you want to try it. <laughs> Hard. It is. I love that whole conversation around, you know, so that that Brene Brown thing about, you know, we forego joy. We're like when we're, we hedge our bets and we try and convince ourselves we don't want something yeah, because yeah. we're trying to, you know, protect ourselves from the disappointment or the, yeah. or that feeling of that kind of bittersweet feeling when, you know, you look at your, you look at your kid or you look at your, your sweetheart or something that's really, really precious and to actually sit in that, that place of God, I love this person so much. Oh, I'm so oh. happy right now. Also opens the door to the, but what if it goes away? Mm. It's, you know, that's always there. And I think we have to be able to sit in that place sometimes. And I think you're right. It is one of the most courageous things to do, to open yourself up to joy. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. that letting go of the need to be cool as well. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, and I get I, I mean, I'm, I am kind of one of those naturally bubbly people that probably irritates some, some other folks. But I'm you know, like, I yeah, thought like, you were going to say I'm one of those naturally cool people, and I was like, oh, oh no, oh, not no, naturally cool. <laughs> uh, no. Yeah, no, I'm just kind of naturally happy, and I think it's like that whole idea of like when is it too oh. much, and how do I think exactly what you're saying? Like that, then I play a different role because I call. I pull back from being the naturally bubbly version of myself because I think people don't take it seriously. So that's, uh, uh-huh. <laughs> that's the fuller version of that story. Oh, right. I see. I get you. Yeah. I get you. But the, it is vulnerable. I think deeply vulnerable to just kind of either admit you are that joyous about something or that you love something that much or like mm. anything that's one of those extreme emotions, I think is where you, I don't know if that's where you're headed, but. Yeah, no, it's it is, it is. And I think we have all these kind of unwritten rules that society gives Mm. us about, you know, what and I mean it's obviously it's there are different subtle kind of traps for men and women. So men have to be strong all the time and you know and for women we have to be good and we have to be not too loud and not too big and not too opinionated and not too (laughs) well, you know, we have to be caring and we have to be really kind. Uh, never be selfish. Don't be selfish, whatever you do. So sometimes it's really difficult to say, I really love this. I really want it. It's just for me. And I'm going to do it. Because that can feel really kind of selfish. And, you know, or if I'm too happy, will that make other people feel bad? Because they're not having good things going on for them. And uh, so we we have this one eye on on how this is going to affect other people as, as well. It's, tricky there are lots of it it should be simple it's one of those things you kind of think well yeah if you can get the option to feel joy then why not just go for the joy but it's really not that simple yeah i like this angle too because i haven't it hasn't shown up on the show before about like how people might put the shoulds on what they should go for that makes them feel Mm -hmm. joyful because it could like you're saying it could have an impact or does it really i mean i would argue that you kind of have to be able to embody the joy or or have the oxygen before you can then help somebody else. But We do have this, I think, this idea that particularly as women, we should put other people first and that the stuff that we want somehow is secondary. But I think, you know, in this idea of kind of toning down your joy because it upsets somebody else, it's like, well, emotions are contagious. Yes, you they know, are. It's really difficult to be around somebody who's genuinely calm and joyful and can see the good in life it's genuinely hard to be around someone like that and and not for some of it to rub off 
I suppose what one not so helpful aspect that we have in in personal development is the the I call them the positive thinking grade. So there's the the whole kind of oh well, just think positive, it'll all be fine. No, no, sometimes it won't be fine, and you've got yeah. to acknowledge it and you've got to deal with it and. And, you know, the, the nerdy part of me now wants to share some of the research with you about why that even is scientifically proven not to work and all of that stuff. But I won't because uh, <laughs> you can look that up. It's totally true. It's this idea that, you know, just slap a smile on. It will all be fine. Push it down. Push it down. All those negative mm, emotions. Yeah. You know, and I'm British. You know, our whole culture is based on that. <laughs> <laughs> any big emotions but but yeah. that's very different from if somebody is genuinely able to see the joy in life so and and what my experience with mindfulness has has told me and you know my kind of personal development generally is that actually happiness and joy are are more often than not found in those small moments and being able to appreciate those small moments, like the fact that, you know, the feel of sunshine on, on your skin or having five minutes, just enjoy a really nice cup of tea or just uh, so like my, my daughter's been off sick all week off uh, for school. So she's had this real kind of hacking, chesty cough and high temperature and things. But for the past couple of days, the temperature is gone. So she's feeling better in herself. But she's still coughing. So today we sat on the sofa. I had let go of my need. To, I'd let go of my frustration, the fact that I'd got so little work done. I'm going to have to do so much of the weekend to catch up. Yeah. And we watched Mary Poppins. And she's never oh. seen Mary Poppins. <laughs> and she loved it. And her little face. And that was joyful. Yeah. There was no... You know, there, there was no kind of jumping up and un, up and down, but there was just there was just one point where I just kind of looked over, and my legs were right next. She had kind of had her toes resting on on my legs, <laughs> and a blanket over her. I just got this wave of oh, the sweetness. The this is what it's about. Mm-hmm. You know, not the hundred thousand dollar launches and stuff like that. No. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and being able to soak in that moment and just kind of yeah. feel its joy is so, yeah. so gorgeous. Because mm. it'd be so easy just to skip over some of those tiny moments. Yeah. Or be in your phone or, I mean, for me, mm-hmm. at least, or, or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's many a time, I mean, I, I'm far from perfect on this. There's many a time <laughs> where I'll be cooking dinner, I'll be at the same time checking emails on my phone. And my daughter's a real extrovert as well. So she talks non-stop in the loveliest most delightful way but that gets wearing after a while and I'm an introvert so I'm somebody who you know I do my thinking on the inside (laughs) and I struggle to understand why other people can't do that sometimes so she'll be talking away and I'm trying to cook dinner I'm not the world's greatest cook I don't enjoy it I'm just so I'm cooking dinner and I'm checking my emails and I can hear her going you're not listening are you and I'm not (laughs) I'm not tuned into what she's saying. And that is a real kind of bring myself up short moment because it's time to put down the phone. You know, I've been known to even turn off the pan and turn to her and actually give her some focused time because she's never going to be seven again. My son is six and there's that same thing where it's it'd be, it's so tempting to go and check the email or Facebook or whatever. But mm. yeah, kind of pulling myself out to realize, well, this moment is, is only here once and he's only six once and he's only going to say these ridiculous cute amazing things you know yeah. like the other day he called taco bell cowbell like he mixed up these oh. you know which is a restaurant chain but it's called a cowbell 
And like my husband and I are like, cowbell? Like we just died laughing. We're like, who's gonna go eat a cowbell? All right. Anyway, but yeah, you're saying you have a 16 year old. Yeah, but and it it feels it really does feel like yesterday that he was seven and he he was a you know a much quieter kid. He used to kind of we used to do Legos together and 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 stuff. And now he's six foot one and he has a girlfriend Mm. with pink hair. And he's at college and he barely talks to me because you know I'm his mum. So why would he talk to me? You know I know nothing in his world. And there's a real kind of you know I'm I'm immensely proud of him. I look at him every day and kind of go, wow, look at you, you turning into a man. But there's a sadness there too because he's never going to be seven again. Yeah. And so that's a really good reminder for me for you know to appreciate the moments that I do have with him mm-hmm. uh, which in all honesty is usually when I'm driving him somewhere um, but also to really appreciate a bit more those moments with my, my daughter even though sometimes I might be a bit strung out or I might be trying to do three things at once and just kind of say no stop yeah. you will never get this moment back stop soak it in mm-hmm. I love that yeah <laughs> just soaking that in that's so good that's good stuff um <laughs> Yeah, I know uh, maybe we change gears a little bit. I don't know if we want to jump into, like, how do people approach maybe mindfulness in the new year? Kind of, since we've just changed that, like, is there a great way to, I don't know, change gears after all this stuff that we've been through in 2016? How do we approach this new space in a new way and maybe set the tone for joy or peace or contentment? that we haven't seen as much as maybe we like. Now now you're asking, but I I do think there's something about we need to be centered and grounded ourselves so that we can start to hear other people, even when that is really difficult. That, I think that, that's one of the, the questions that I'm wrestling with myself, you know, because obviously one yeah. of the issues with the election in in the US and with Brexit in the Mm -hmm. UK. And, you know, I think so many of those kind of horrible things is we're we're very divided and it's been such a shock because we are living in these kind of bubbles. And I think we need to move out of those bubbles. And right now that's that's almost beyond uncomfortable. It's almost painful. And it's like, I don't want to talk to people who are openly racist. I don't want to talk to them. Mm. Yeah. And then um, part of me kind of thinks, no, I, I still don't think I want to talk to them. But there's, but then there were also a whole load of other people who have maybe not as extreme opinions, but opinions that are still very different from me, outlooks that are still very different from me. And we need to find ways of being able to appreciate them, appreciate difference a bit more. I think one of the things that certainly is for me, someone who is, you know, on the left politically, is that I think we we have this idea that we're really tolerant. You know, that's one of the things that we really value is tolerance and difference. And yeah. yet one of the challenges is going to be, well, can we not just tolerate, can we build bridges? Can we understand people who right now we feel very betrayed by, we feel very angry towards, and we feel very superior towards because, you know, hell, we, we're not the guy who, who voted for, you know, the bullying, misogynist, racist. 
And I think we need to do, it's another layer of work we need to do on ourselves. And so one of the the types of meditation that I'm going to a lot at the moment is is loving kindness. So it's this idea mm. that when you've, you're focusing on giving, giving love and kindness and understanding to, you start off with, with somebody who you love anyway. You know, you do, it, it's really easy to kind of sit and think of them and kind of wish them love and wish them well and wish them health and wish them, you know, peace and things. And then to yourself, because that's really difficult to give ourselves that, that love and that forgiveness and that understanding and, and wish ourselves well. And then to people we feel neutral around. So, you know, whether you think of the postman, the postman, bless him, he, get, he gets quite a lot of my, my love and kindness attention. <laughs> And then to the people that we find a bit trickier, to the people we find a bit more difficult. And I think unless we can start doing that, first of all, it's really helpful because it lets go of some of that kind of fear and anxiety and that tension. But also I think we can start to see the things that where we are similar and, you know, so Brexit and the US election have been very similar in terms of some of the themes and some of the emotions that, that have come out, you know, a lot of xenophobia, a lot of kind of fear of the other being stoked up, you know, really, really not. And, and, and I can go to a really scary place with all of that really quickly. What's going to happen if? And I think the only way that we can we can do this is, yes, we have some lines around, you know, no, that's not acceptable. That's not going to happen. And we need to be, we need to step into our courage to do that. But then we also need to recognize that, you know, an awful lot of people who voted for Brexit, an awful lot of people who voted for Trump, I would say the majority aren't consciously or, or even actually racist or xenophobic. You know, they have concerns. They're fearful. Yes, there are a small and very vocal minority who are, but the majority of people, you know, they didn't though. And so we have to find ways of having better conversations with people who have different opinions to us. We just have to. And that's just something I'm thinking about a lot right now because I've realized that, you know, I can be proper sanctimonious when I want to be, you know, (laughs) and that's not getting us anywhere. Right. And so for me, this, this idea of, of, you know, how, how can I kind of take my understanding not just to people who I I kind of think oh you know if somebody's from a different culture I really want to to understand them that's that's kind of easier in a way I think for some of us certainly on the left mm-hmm. but you know yeah. can I have love and understanding for those people who maybe voted Brexit or voted Trump that's right. the real challenge that's a real test for us so that's yeah. kind of what I'm leaning into at the moment and it's it's tricky it's difficult it is really tricky yeah because as you were saying that I think there is in being a liberal as well, I would like to think that I'm open to all people and all mindsets and and all things. But then you're right. Then applying that on to and, and I'm, I don't want to list out specific things because you know not really a political topic per se. But but then applying that to some of the more right side, what do we call that? Right thinking is. It's hard because it feels like some of it is stuff that the liberals have been fighting for for so long. But then seeing mm. what that means to other people who hold those ideals dear, there's a reason they are holding it dear. And so I think you're right. Like, how do we listen to each other and how do we approach it with love instead of it either dismissal or anger or, you know, worse, hate or something beyond mm. that? I don't think 
I don't know many liberals like then go to the hate extreme, but maybe there's some. <laughs> I guess there are, but I'm not one of them. I'm more of the pacifist, I guess. But yeah, yeah, me, me too. But I, I think what where it tends to to happen, what I've noticed in myself anyway, and mm-hmm. you know from what what some of the evidence seems to be suggesting, what what happened during the, you know, both the elections is we're just not engaging with those people at all. So we're just not having conversations mm-hmm. with people who have different points of view. You know, I don't read right-wing newspapers. I don't right. tend to hang out with people who have right-wing views, but that mm-hmm. means that maybe I don't understand their fears and where they're coming from. And that does not mean we then have to justify, you know, the whole kind of white guy anger and all of that stuff because, oh, hell to the no for that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 yeah well, and, but, and I guess the, yeah, so thank you for for sharing that loving kindness meditation. I think that is a really nice place to start because it does focus on on the person, meaning yourself, mm-hmm. but it also then is it's challenging in its own quiet way of of putting that you know wishing those same good and loving thoughts to someone who may be trickier for an individual to find love yeah. or kindness for. Yeah. Uh huh. And I I wouldn't say you know go to the you know, I wouldn't say, you know, you, you would have to be a pretty evolved person right now to kind of be sat there kind of wishing Trump himself loving kindness. Mm. I wouldn't say go to that extreme, but, you know, yeah. but maybe go for <laughs> your mother-in-law who who voted for him or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, then you can push it a little further each time too. I yeah. think it's yeah. a, exactly. a growing, it's something to grow with for sure. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that, so what else, if people wanted to listen into your podcast, where can they find you? What else have you got going on in 2017? So I've got, let's see, so my podcast is called the Work Happy Coaching Podcast. And <laughs> it's a it's a really nice place to nerd out on coaching. So if coaching is your thing, then I love having just great conversations around around coaching. There are, I do kind of solo episodes where I, I kind of share strategies or got on my soapbox about things but I also enjoy having some really good conversations around coaching and building a coaching business particularly for women and then people can work with me you know if you are a coach and you're you're looking to to build a coaching business then by all means have a check out my website joecasey.com and you know have a listen to the podcast see if I'm a I'm a good fit for you because there is something so powerful about working with somebody one-on-one to help you accelerate that pace and and lay down some of those foundational pieces around things like you know what's your message and who do you work with and how do you find those people and and what's a, a good kind of business model for you to have to make sure that it's sustainable for you and then I'm planning on doing a kind of a longer group program maybe mid 2017 mm-hmm. maybe with a retreat I've got this this desire to kind of do something in person with a group I'm very into community and building community and wonderful that's all, yeah I agree there's something about community and getting to know other people who are mm-hmm. in a like a similar spot or yeah community work is always group work is always fun so do you have time for two last questions? Yes, of course. Yeah. Yay! Okay. So <laughs> how do you maintain balance in your life with your family and your work and all of that? Or maybe the better way of putting it is like, what does harmony look like for you? Uh, yeah, I prefer the harmony. Well, I, I have no yeah. balance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ebbs and flows. I prefer to talk about it in terms of ebbs and flows because... 
you know, that that's just how it goes. Like th- this week, case in point, you know, my, my daughter was sick and one, and my son was sick, actually. They both had two totally different things. And my husband works, has a job, you know, goes out to an office, which is a 90 minute commute each way. So he didn't get into late. And so I'm fortunate that I have a business that I can be flexible about in a certain way but it also means that you know stuff still needs to get done and so there's been a lot of evening work this week and I will be doing work over the weekend because you know I I need to catch up to keep on top of things but I also have kind of some hard boundaries over things like I don't do any client calls on a Friday so I pick my daughter up from school on a Friday. So on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, she goes to a childminder who picks her up from school. So she goes there for a couple of hours so I can kind of do a, a more kind of nine to five day. But 3 p.m. on a Friday, I pick her up quite often. She'll have a friend back from school. We'll, you know, we'll go to the park on the way home. That's our time. I don't do any work generally now over a weekend anymore. Again, that's, that's a hard boundary apart from one Sunday evening slot, just because of the way that I work in terms of time differences and things like that. If you're on the the West Coast in the US, pretty much the only time our schedules will match will be of an evening and you have (laughs) a day job, which some coaches do. So I have one slot on a a Sunday evening for me. So I I have some hard boundaries. I'm getting better at that. And then I'm also really lucky in the fact that I get to, I get to make, I think, more choices around my business than I would do if I was in a corporate job. And certainly when I did in my, you know, I was a organization, but, you know, now working for myself, whilst I have all of the responsibility, I also have a lot more choice. And so I can shift my message. I can have more choice over who I work with. And the reason that's important is I get to define and to choose the kind of activities and the type of work that I find most nourishing. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important. So I don't, you know, so there's very few parts of my, my business that I kind of go, Oh, I've got to do that thing. Apart from my bookkeeping and my accounts. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, when it comes to working with clients, one of the things I I love and I love teaching other, talking to other people about is the fact that, you know, you can design this any way you want to. So why not design it in a way that's going to work best for you whilst recognizing it will evolve. So give it a chance to evolve. So I I think it's important to have a good balance of structure and space so that there's, you know, I might get an idea and go, you know, it's like at the moment, I've got this hankering to do something in person, maybe a retreat. I don't know what that feels or looks like yet, but I'm going to be working on it so it can evolve. And I get the freedom to do that. And that I find really enriching and nourishing. Yeah, I love that. And that that you're able to focus on what you want it to be and how you want it to feel and what you want your kind of your life to look like. uh, That's amazing. I love it. I mean, that that being said, it also has to be balanced with the fact that, you know, is this something people are going to want? Will they pay me money for it? So, you know, it's not just like, yeah. you know, I'm going to do a body painting workshop next year. And it's like, well, that, that's really <laughs> right. nice, Joe, but your your audience are coaches. How will that fit in? You know, it has to kind of be, right. I'm just, I'm lucky that, you know, I happen to, to absolutely love what, what I do and, and people, there is a need for it. That is wonderful. Okay. So the, my last question is always... Mm-hmm. What are three ways that you can think of to jumpstart joy in your life, in the world, or in other people's lives? Say thank you. I mean, really, say thank you. Tell people 
that you appreciate them and tell them how and tell them why. You know, and that goes back to my my kind of corporate days when you know giving good feedback and it has to be specific and it has to be timely. But actually, that thing of when when you tell somebody, "Oh my God, you look gorgeous today. That dress is amazing," and the look on their face if you say that, just kind of out of the blue, you know, tell people, give people that that kind of that timely feedback. If you're thinking, "God, does she look great?" Then say, "Would you really look great?" Or if you think, "Oh, that was really nice what she just did," then say it. And you know, it's something that I've I really try and practice with with my kids and my husband. But I suspect I'm not nearly very good at it with my husband. <laughs> um, but I do try. Um, <laughs> I should do it more. I will do it more. So certainly that that's one for for other people. Another thing is to remind yourself regularly of what you're grateful for you know it's really easy to get focused on all the stuff on your to-do list that you haven't got done yet all the things that have gone wrong all the things that you know you're worried about they're real that you know it's not about denying them but also about spending some time each day focusing in on the things that you're grateful for the things that have gone well there's loads of research out there about how powerful this is this isn't a kind of just a just think positive type thing this is has a real shift in the way that we start to view the world if you can just you know make a note a conscious note of five things each day and that's something that I started practicing a few years ago and it is really impactful and then I think the other thing is to give yourself permission to be human and be imperfect and take some of the pressure off yourself I think one of the things that we have particularly if you're working in the I was going to say particularly in the online space, but no, I don't think that's true. I think it's just the world that we have right now. We have so many images of perfection, which are total BS because, you know, they're airbrushed or they're, you know, there's only selective reality that we see on social media from people, or we may see the person in our company who's just won the award because they landed the big project, but we didn't see the, you know, 14 hour days that they were putting in for and all the weekends that they worked to do it. And so we can get into this real comparisonitis with things. And so I think we all need to be a bit kinder to ourselves because if we were kinder to ourselves and maybe we could be a bit kinder to other people as well. And if we just had a bit more kindness in the world, I think, I think everything would be that bit easier and that bit more joy filled. Mm, I agree. (sighs) Thank you, Joe Casey. This has just been wonderful. I am so grateful to have had you on the show. Thank you for taking the time. I am so grateful that you asked me. It has been a joy. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, Joe, for being on the show. To get all of the links or find out more, you can head over to the show notes at jumpstartyourjoy.com slash episode 68, and you'll find links to Joe's site and get all of those links to listen to her podcast, which is Work Happy Coaching, and it's also on iTunes. I encourage you to subscribe. I really enjoy her show and really enjoy the guests that she has and the information that she shares. There's a lot to learn there, so go check it out. And if you're hooked on podcasts and thinking you'd like to start your own, you can enroll in my free podcasting fundamentals class on my site, jumpstartyourjoy.com. It'll give you my insights on why podcasting is a great fit for your business or blog and it's a lot of fun you can get there from the drop down on the top nav of my website next week on the show i have deb cooperman she will join me to talk about journaling and the impact it has made on her life and how she shares her love of journaling with clients as a coach 
It's another lovely and inspiring discussion as we look at new ways to jumpstart joy in your life and look at the brand new shiny newness of 2017. So come on back next week for that. And until then, I hope that your days are filled with so much joy.